ever thrown you a curveball that you weren't sure what to do with? You know, the kind where you think someone should really do something about this. Have you ever thought maybe that someone is me and then found yourself on a grand adventure you never saw coming? Me too. As a special needs mom, I have been saddened by what's available to my son. But instead of wallowing in it, I decided to do something about it. Along the way, I'm meeting extraordinary people and having the most wonderful experiences I never thought I'd have. I'm so inspired by what's happening around me that I want to share it all with you. Living Your Legacy is a community where ordinary people who've been called to create something bigger than themselves can come together to be inspired, connect, learn, and live into the legacies they want to see in the world. I'm your host, Michelle Slaney Travato, and this is the Living Your Legacy Podcast. everybody. Michelle Sine Travato here. I wanted to take a moment to welcome you to another episode of the Living Your Legacy show. On this show, we always interview legacy makers, people that you don't, they're not famous. You wouldn't necessarily know that they're out creating these amazing things. In fact, they could be the person behind you in the lineup in the grocery store where you're like, oh, hey, I'll just put this divider between my supplies and your supplies. And you smile and that's the end of it. And you don't know when they leave that they're out creating these extraordinary things in the world. Well, I want to shine a light on those people and what they're doing. And of course, no legacy maker does it alone. So of course, I want to shine a light on the professionals who support us all as we are stepping into and living into our own legacies. And today is no exception. I want to take a minute to introduce you to my dear friend, Ashley Johnston. Now, before I do that, I want to just hit on something that we're going to talk about today that really, it got me thinking. More and more in the world, I hear people talking about feeling trapped in their lives. Maybe they followed the the road that our parents laid out for us, you know, to go to post-secondary, get the job, work hard, buy a house, get married, have kids, all those things. And then somewhere along the way, they sort of started yearning for something more, something different. But the circumstances in their lives make it really hard to make that change. Like you've got a mortgage. How do you factor in? Maybe I want to launch a business and not be in my job. There's so many things there like that concerns that when you're young and single and carefree, you just don't have. Um, And today we're going to talk about all that. Plus, if you are a special needs mom like myself, And my guest, you have additional things that you are responsible for and have to think for and and think about and plan for and all those things. And it's so easy to just be lost, be a cog in the system and just not know where you factor in anymore. So I want to, we want to talk about that today. We're going to share about that. We're going to dish about that. And we're going to share our ideas and strategies and suggestions for that. But first, let me tell you all about Ashley. Ashley Johnston is a mother of three young kids, and they are young. They are 11, 7, and 3. She's got a wee little one. Two of her children have special needs, the 3-year-old and the 7-year-old. She is a life coach, a wife of 12 years, an entrepreneur, And the podcast host of Mamas Have Special Needs Too. And I cannot wait to dig into where that title came from. She has two 
main missions in this season of her life. The first is to provide healing for her children. And the second is to help other special needs moms access their self-confidence and freedom as a special needs mom. Now, those two things don't usually go together, freedom and special needs mom. So we're going to dig into that and what that all means. So Ashley, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm really honored to be here, Michelle. Fantastic. So of course, I always start with getting you to tell your story. When you were in grade four and the teacher asked you what you wanted to be when you grew up, Probably a special needs mom wasn't amongst the things, but certainly a life coach wasn't. You might not have even known that that existed as a thing. So tell us, what did you want to be and what did you do with yourself and how did you get to where you are now? So, yeah, this is a great question. It goes back a little further than normally. So grade four, I would say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it was, I wanted to be on Broadway dancing and singing. And I remember I had this shirt from Walmart and I think it said be famous on it. And I remember just being like, that's it. Like, you know, stars <laughs> in my eyes. And I'm like, I'm going to be famous. I loved singing. I loved dancing. And that is really what I did and acting. And that is what I did all the way up through my college years. I was a dance teacher. Um, I got awards for acting and different things. And I, I loved it. And I still do love it. Um, but when I got married and started having babies, being able to continue engaging in that was a little bit more difficult. Like once you age out at 18, there's not a lot of dance classes or dance performances unless you are actually professional. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of just fell off of my radar. And I had my first little boy who was super rambunctious and really strong willed and gave me a huge like wake up call as far as parenting was concerned. Mm -hmm. And I was already feeling uh, like I couldn't do this. This is really hard. And we were just having such a hard time. We, me, parenting this little little boy. And I thought, you know what? I think he probably needs a playmate. <laughs> and so and then we want to have more kids anyway. So we had our second little um, child, our daughter, and she ended up having special needs. And so I was already in such like a negative mindset about mothering in general. And then I have a daughter and she has special needs. And that's really all it took for me to, to dive deep, deep down into a, a depression mm -hmm. that I hadn't experienced. I mean, I was having postpartum, but then you have a different kind of depression that really hits you when you start learning that your child has significant health issues and you're not sure if you did something wrong, was it my fault? Was it someone else's fault? Like what's happening? And as you're trying to figure this out, mm -hmm. you're going to doctor's appointments, you're trying to help your child. You don't realize, but at the same time, you as a person, your identity and what you wanted to do when you were little, it starts to deteriorate. And there's, I feel like Michelle, there's just something primitive about motherhood and about the desire to do anything that you need to for your child. Mm -hmm. And we end up taking from that reserve of who we are and we take it until it's gone mm -hmm. and we don't realize that it's gone. But then we hit rock bottom and we are like, there's nothing left. There's mm -hmm. nothing left for me to give here. I don't know what to do. I don't know. And, and it got so bad for my husband and I that we merged kind of into this apathy where it's like, like my life is kind of over. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to die. I'm going to be here. I'm going to show up for my kids. But it, it felt like a death sentence to to a degree, because not only did I not know what I was doing, I did not know how I could help my daughter. Mm-hmm. She was on a tube and it wow. wasn't working. She was throwing up every day, like four or five times, and she just couldn't keep it down. And she was already underweight. And I remember measuring how much was going in her of the formula. And then she'd throw it up and I would scoop it up and put it in that measuring cup. And I would measure how much she was actually eating because I just didn't know. I didn't know what else to do. And I was like, is this actually working? What's happening? And I remember um, in the midst of all of this, just being like, God, I please send someone to me. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help her. Mm -hmm. And that is when my sister-in-law actually mentioned to me that there's this thing called life coaching and that she was following a life coach on a podcast. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, you know, and she coached moms. And so I was like, anything, you know, at that point, I was like, anything will help. And so I turned on that podcast and that was it for me. Like I listened to that podcast almost every day, multiple times for probably a full year. Wow. And the information I got from that free information alone was transformational. And then I signed up for her class and it was the first time that I really realized that I wasn't trapped in my life and that my life wasn't over. And not only that, that I could do something to help my child. And I didn't think that that was possible for a long time. And I just kind of handed over my my parental role to all of the doctors and all of the therapists. And I was like, please, anything you can do. I can't do anything. And it was just so disempowering. And it was life coaching and the principles that helped me feel empowered as a mother and has brought us to the place where we are now Mm -hmm. with my daughter. Now, obviously, I had another child in there, my little boy, and, and he looks like he was developing normally, typically. And then 18 months hits and you have that regressive autism that has that's happening. And let me tell you, it took me probably four or five years to pull out of that depression that I experienced with my daughter. Mm -hmm. But when the doctor was like, your son's probably autistic, it took me 24 hours and I was able to process that grief and get back on my feet and go to work to do Mm -hmm. what I needed to do for my son. And that was drastic for me, but it's because of the principles I learned in coaching Mm -hmm. and my mind, how, how my thoughts work, how my emotions work, how they work together, that I was able to do that. Like it was just anyway. So that's where we are now. And my kids are starting to thrive. We're getting help. We're getting, and it just feels, it's just night and day. Like, but it was so gradual for me. The only time I can tell it's night and day is when I look back at who I was, you know, four or five years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of my story. And that's when I was like, I got to get certified. I got to coach. I got to like moms need to know that there's help out there for them Mm -hmm. and that it's not it's not outside of their grasp to Mm -hmm. to do this work. Wow, that's pretty profound. I want to circle back to a couple of things that you said. First of all, talking about your daughter and and dealing with the shock um, of all the information and the fact that she had health issues and then you found out there were other issues. You know, you think to yourself, the idea of being a parent, it never dawns on you that you could be scooping up, throw up 
and measuring it to see how much your child has eaten. Like it's not something you've ever, you know, until you've actually been barfed on and like didn't get grossed out because it was, I don't know, you were out at a club somewhere having fun with your friends and somebody had too much to drink and you're like, this is gross, but no, it's your child. And you, you know, you have to stay in the barf because they're not well and all the other things that you do uh, mm-hmm. until you've done it. You can't really explain it. I mean, I don't know too many teenagers who'd be like, yeah, that's so cool. I want to do that as a parent. I want to be too. a parent. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you're but it's you're like, like, why are you even telling me this? <laughs> I know. I know. But I'm telling you, it's so primitive. It's like you would do so many things for your child that it's like, I'll scoop up the barf. Not a problem. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Um, and then, you know, to think about, again, parenting doesn't come with a handbook. Nobody hands you a book and says, congratulations, here's your baby. Here is the book about your baby. This is everything you need to know. This is all the things that you can expect that are going to unfold in front of you. Here are all the resources for you to handle all of this, right? Oh, and by the way, here's a bunch of stuff to do to care give for yourself while you're at it. And that's like the regular parent handbook. Mm -hmm. They don't come with that. No, but there are books and blogs and podcasts and and YouTube channels and things like that where you can go for average developing neurotypical children to get support. There's mommy and me groups and there's there's all kinds of things that you can do. Um, and so even though that journey can still feel kind of lonely, there is an infrastructure and support systems in place. Factor into that. I don't have a parent playbook for my child. I'm a new parent. And now my child isn't developing typically. My child isn't neurotypical or yeah, neurotypical. My child is neurodivergent. Factor into that now all the things in the books that I have gone out and bought and the mommy groups I joined on Facebook. That's not going to work for me. So Mm -hmm. Now what? There aren't any special needs mommy and me groups that I'm aware of. Certainly, maybe there are now, but when my kids were little, there was nothing. I was always the only special needs parent. So when I would go to these things, I would listen to all these women talk. And truthfully, it just made me sad. So I stopped going because I thought I can't even participate in these conversations. Here they are so proud that their child you know, is holding their head up or rolled over. And I don't even know if mine's going to be able to do that. And their specialists are saying it might not happen. And now I'm up to my eyeballs and therapies and therapists and doctor's appointments to try and figure this all out. I'm overwhelmed. You know, they're doing tummy time and talking about how pleasant it is. (laughs) Like, Oh my God, I would kill just to do tummy time. There are so Uh many things I have to do. I'm so overwhelmed. There are words they're using. I don't even know what they are. I I don't have time to go like look them up and even fathom what this means for me or my child. Like there's so much extra that I just, I withdrew from all those things because even still, when you go to those things and you share that the other moms, it's a little overwhelming. When you share your actual story, they don't know what to do with it. So even then, if you are trying to connect with them, it's overwhelming for them. Yeah, you kind of become the pariah in the room. Yeah, they're They're like, like, don't invite her. That's just too much. Yep. Or, wow, your life is so hard. It makes me feel good. I'm like, 
so yeah, glad I can help that you. But, um, I want to feel welcome. good too. So yeah. yeah. Where is all this for me? So I feel you on that. Um, mm-hmm. And it's funny because I don't think about that much now. My oldest son is 19 as of this mm-hmm. recording. So this is a long time ago for me. But I do remember asking this question a lot. When do I just get to be mom? When does that happen? You know, because like you talked about, there's so many therapists and specialists involved and and doctors and everybody else. And they all have stuff like homework that they want you to go home and do. Mm-hmm. And so they now want you to I'm, track it and report back. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, when you're watching TV, in my case, you should be stretching your son's hand and you should be, you know, pointing out words and and trying to get him to speak and make those sounds and and like. Like, I don't, I don't even get to watch like kids shows with him and just be mom. I have to do 57 things in that 30 minutes, um, you know, to, to help him out. And, um, you know, you should be doing this. And, and I was shoulded to death. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying like, when, when does it happen that I just get to declare a timeout and just be mom? These moms are talking about, you know, enjoying their kids nap time. I'm like, oh, mine doesn't nap. He had colic. So I had to wear him pretty much 24 hours a day. And if he did sleep, it was literally like I now I'm like, okay, so I can get on my phone and search this thing up or I'll put that load of laundry on and then he'll sleep and I have to sit still, but I need to do these other things and book these appointments. And so I've got all these papers around me and it was not relaxing at all. So I do understand what you mean about that. And for all of you moms out there, if if your children are neurotypical, this is probably really overwhelming just hearing this story about what's happening for those of you who have special needs moms you're like oh girl i feel you mm-hmm. <laughs> i feel you both i hear you oh my gosh this is my life too and we could trade stories so i totally understand that and i'd like you to talk a little bit in our um in our preamble for this call you talked a lot about being in these appointments and your feelings and thoughts about how everything was structured for your daughter could you speak to that a little bit more here about about how it was structured for her and not for me yes kind of a thing yes so yeah I it's just interesting because it's I didn't feel like dehumanized necessarily but I'd walk into these appointments and it was fill out this questionnaire for your daughter make sure you're here early make sure you're on time which was a struggle for mm-hmm. me getting everything and doing all of the the new things I was learning about her and what she needed so we get there we fill out the paperwork we go in there And it's like, you know, so tell me about your daughter. Tell me how it's going. Did you do the things that we asked you to do? Did you do this? Did you do that? Okay, this is what we need to do for her. We should probably get these other appointments done. You should probably go to see these other clinics to get all of these other tests, you know. And thanks. Let's set another appointment and you can come back later and and off you go. And I had had several appointments where they're talking to me and I can just feel the overwhelm Mm -hmm. happening. I can feel that I'm checking out, but I'm trying not to because I need to remember to do all of those things. And and then it sometimes I would do appointments back to back because it was a 30 to 40 minute drive to the children's hospital to to go to these appointments. And sometimes we'd have to go to several different campuses in one day mm-hmm. just to get all the appointments done. And I'm drained and I'm tired and I'm overwhelmed and I'm not sure if I'm doing it right, if there's a right way to do it. And mm-hmm. 
and I would start to get emotional. And I remember seeing some of these doctors be, they could see that I was getting emotional, but didn't know what to do necessarily because their training isn't to be there for me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's to be there for my child and to figure out what's going on, whether it was with their head, their gut, their heart, whatever it is. And so I just remember being in so many appointments, being like, they can see that I am struggling and they don't, won't do anything. And so I, I also remember we had at-home appointments with mm-hmm. uh, early intervention. They come to your house mm-hmm. and they help you with your child. And I had three therapists there. One was a coordinator, one was OT, and one was PT. And they were mm-hmm. all there. And they were kind of ending the appointment, giving me all the things to do for the week and the exercises and whatnot. And I just started to like break down. And they were like, hey, what's going on? Was, was the first time someone had asked. And so I told them. Like, I wasn't trying to filter. I was like, this sucks. This is hard. And I am falling apart. And I don't know what to do. And I was looking at the wood floor when I was saying all of this. I said my piece. And then I looked up at them. And their faces were completely blank. They were just. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I'm so sorry. That must be hard. But they didn't do. They didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And and I, I don't know. I don't know if I was ex- them to do something necessarily, but I just wanted to be understood and heard and validated. Mm-hmm. And, and even from them, and they're wonderful ladies. You have to understand, I, I love what these doctors and these therapists are doing for our mm-hmm. kids, but they're not, they weren't trained to help me. And that's when it hit me was like, these are not the people that can do anything for me. Like I have to go find my help somewhere else. I was hoping that I would get emotional support and help from all of these people that I'm already seeing for my doctor or my daughter, but it just, it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I was like, I have to, I have to go find it somewhere else. So. Mm-hmm. I totally understand that. Um, I remember that too, for me, overwhelm shows up as, as the emotion. I can feel it coming. Um, mm-hmm. I feel it bubbling up and and I can feel the tears on my eyelashes. Yep, and I've right had more here. than a few doctors that are like, I don't even know what to do right now. Maybe I'll just talk faster and get out of the office. Yeah, no, totally. It's like, let's right. just hurry this up and emotional yep. mom. And yep. Yeah. And and thinking same as you, like, I don't, I don't even know how to do this. I don't know how to, you know, Literally, I have five sets of papers that have things that I'm supposed to track at any one given time. And, you know, if I don't track it, then I have to go in and say I didn't track it. And then they're like, well, you know, this is a wasted appointment kind of thing because you have no information to give us. And I know. And, and, you know, feeling that pressure to, to be all the things at the same time, trying to figure out, like, what does all this mean? for our lives? What does this actually mean for my child? What does this mean for me as mom? What yeah. does this mean? Right? How the trajectory I saw myself going on wasn't the trajectory I was on. And no. Like, what is this all going to look like? And how, how do I factor in? And, and sometimes um, we even ended up in situations where one specialist advice directly conflicted with another specialist advice. Yeah, here I am in the a, middle of all yes. this. Like, well, what, what do I do? Do I do this one or do I do that one? You know, if I can't do both because they're directly contradictory, if I do this one or that one, am I going to be ruining the other one? Like, you know, to do yeah. this physiotherapy, well, is it going to ruin that thing over and there? Not- and so now what do I do? 
it's such a good point, Michelle, because not only that, like contradicting information, but unrealistic ideas of tracking. Like I remember they were like with the feeding tube, I was like, she's not eating. They're like, okay, we need to slow it down. So they gave me a regimen of feeding for her, but she had to be sitting at the table upright. With the regiment they gave me, keep in mind, I had a three-year-old at the time and her, she would literally be sitting at that table almost all day long. Because wow. as soon as you finish one, the feeding would be about 45 minutes and then you take a little break, but then you got to start again because she'd need to get the whole feeding in, but it had to take so long so she wouldn't throw up. And I remember being like, this isn't realistic. Like mm -hmm. what you're asking me to do isn't realistic. I still have to go grocery shopping. I need to take a shower. My son is going to preschool. I have to go pick him up. Like we cannot sit at the table all day long. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it was like, well, that's just kind of what we have to do. You know, like, or we could do another surgery or we could, you know, and I was just like, anyway, the troubleshooting was difficult. It, it's hard because the doctor is trying to recommend and problem solve with you. But but not always considering the real life circumstances that you're dealing with as right. a mother yep. that still has other kids at home or works or, you know. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's it's really like, very, very yeah, challenging. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. And and yeah. again, this feeling of. Like you, I didn't question that I had to do all these things and you just jump in and you do. I remember eating, mm -hmm. standing up in my kitchen. This is a story for you. With my son in the snuggly, I had a napkin laid over top of his head and it took me an hour to eat a piece of toast because I kept having to move around so he wouldn't cry and scream and everything else. And I literally, I sat at restaurants with him in the snuggly with a napkin over top of his head. So no food was landing on him mm -hmm. because that's what I had to do. And never even dawned on me to think, like I could do this differently or, you know, maybe my husband and I can like take turns and we'll ask the wait staff to stagger the food. Like he'll eat first and I'll hold a baby and, you know, we'll have some small little appy or whatever. And then you bring my food and he'll hold a baby. Like never. You just you're so in it. You don't even think about it. Um, yeah. And then to just feel feel the overwhelm a lot. Um, and then the questions, right? Like, am I doing enough? Am I enough? Am I going to be able to do this for my child? Am I going to be able to do this for however long that takes? And in my case, there are some things for my son that are lifelong. Um, mm -hmm. I couldn't even think about that when he was really little, because that was just like, I don't even know. I'm not going to make yeah. it lifelong. <laughs> just How am I going to yeah. do this? So I totally understand what you're talking about. And then it's, it's very easy to lose you in the yeah. process. I got really good at the tracking and I got really good at the appointments and I got mm -hmm. really good at the words and, you know, I had a list and, and I got good at all those things, but along the way, the dreams that I had for me, um, started to fade. Like you said, um, you know, you did the dancing and as you became a mom, obviously that's going to get really hard because that's physically demanding and it requires rehearsals and, and hours to practice the moves and, and fine tune your craft. And, you know, how do you do all that when, you know, you're nursing or when you have this little one or suddenly a little one with challenges that that requires 
pretty much all of your waking hours to deal with, at least initially. And so it's easy to, to see yourself, I don't know, fading would be the word, like almost becoming a bit of a ghost, transparent, uh, see-through maybe would yeah, be a better hollow, word. where you're just right? kind of a shell, kind of like, hollow. Yeah. yeah. I just, I ceased to be, I felt I ceased to be me mm-hmm. and I just became my son's mom. Yes. Yes. Right. Like, yes. I was not Michelle anymore. I was mom. And in my mom role, these were the things that were very important. Um, And of course, I think more and more we're talking about this, but that wasn't in any of the baby books. How do you deal with just being mom? How do you deal with not being you anymore? How do you deal with all that? Just I don't recall any conversations about that. I don't recall being around friends and talking about, gee, how do I, how do I do all this? How do I, you know, I still want to do that conversation became like, I still have to do laundry. I still have to Mm -hmm. do this tracking report. I still have to make this phone call. It was not like, oh, I want to plan a family holiday or I want to do this pleasant thing, or I'm super excited to be taking some training so I can do X, Y, and Z. Like those conversations just stopped um, because I couldn't balance it all. Any Um, extra time you had was just doing the normal things to keep life going. Yes. Um, and I too have more than one child. So all of a sudden now it was the, the balance between the two and how do I achieve it? Um, and how do I ensure that my youngest son who is neurotypical, um, isn't feeling left out or, or, or secondary because the needs of the older one were so great Um, Mm -hmm. that it took a lot of my time and energy. And so now all of a sudden I'm into a different juggle and balancing act, but still it's not about me. It's about my kids and I feel you there. So it's really easy. I think for people, and I'm sure there are people in the audience who are totally resonating with this right now. They're like, Oh, you just spoke right into my life. That's me too. (laughs) Right. Me too. Me too. Me too. That's me. So let's shift gears. Cause that's the heavy stuff. Yes. Let's now that we know that. And we know that you can start feeling kind of trapped in your life, kind of lost in the journey, kind of lost in like, who am I now? Where am I going? Let's talk about life coaching and how that helped you figure it out for yourself. And then let's look at some suggestions that we can give our audience for how they can help themselves as well. So let's talk about that. So you found life coaching, you listened to these podcasts, you fell in love with what was being said there, you carved out the time to do the training. And let's Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about how that gave you, you back. Yeah, I, so the biggest thing really was understanding that the circumstances of my life have little or less to do with how I feel about my life. I thought that I was kind of at the mercy of what happened, right? Which is essentially this victim kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. My life is happening to me. And I've heard I've heard other women say things like my motherhood was taken from me or my life was taken from me right. or I have to do this. I have to be here with my kids. And it wasn't until my coach was kind of like, "Look, you could leave. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do this. No one is making you stay." 
And I was like, no. And she's like, truly, you, you could leave. You don't have to have this kind of a life. You could leave and go make your own. And that's when I realized I don't want to leave. Mm. I want to stay here. Right. I want to be a mom to these children. Mm-hmm. And I want to love it. And that's when I started to realize that anybody that like, and I know it's like special needs and special moms and things mm-hmm. like that. But like, that's when I started to really think, you know what, Ashley, you're really not that special. It's just different. Mm-hmm. And although this might look on the outside drastically harder than someone else's life that's raising kids that are neurotypical they have struggles that are so hard as well they do but they're so different Mm -hmm. than mine and so i you cannot keep waving this flag of poor me poor me look how hard my life is and i'm gonna wallow in it and i'm gonna pity myself and then i'm gonna try to get pity from you Mm -hmm. and then expect my life to be good and expect to love my life and expect Mm -hmm. to want to stay in it you know like and so that was the biggest thing for me and what's crazy is that nothing in my life had to change in order for me to to love my life Mm -hmm. which is what I thought I thought this has to go away we have to fix this I have to Mm -hmm. change it we have to make them healthy we have to make them not autistic we have to change all of these things on the outside in order for me to feel free on the inside Mm -hmm. and when I realized that was not the case that's when I was like, oh my gosh, like I can look at this a different way. I can change my story. I can change the way I'm viewing my children. I can change the way I'm viewing myself because what I also realized is whether or not you have a child with special needs, feeling trapped in your own life is something a lot of people feel. Yes, they do. I was like, oh, this isn't unique to me either. And so it was kind of like, I need to pull my head out of my butt and like wake up here. And be like, oh, I'm not the only one here that's struggling. Okay. It looks different for sure. And so we have to kind of get a little bit more unique help and build a different kind of a village. But if I can just decide I'm not going to be a victim to this anymore and I can choose in. Mm-hmm. And that takes a genuine questioning, Michelle. It really does. Like, mm-hmm. do you really want to be with your kids? And most people will probably figure out they do. Otherwise, they probably would have done something else. Mm-hmm. You know, they probably would have, I, I don't know, I guess there's all things they could have done, but like you really figure out who you are, what you really want, and that nothing has to change to mm-hmm. get that. And that's, that's kind amazing. of what helped me. Yeah, yeah it's that's, phenomenal. That's such a realization. And also the power to choose, right? Like we forget that we have the power to choose, we choose. And when I realized that, Uh, In my son's younger years, there were things that I just chose not to do. I'm like, I appreciate that you're asking me now. I mean, not life-threatening things, but yeah, um, I've decided that, you know, I am not going to stretch his hand while we watch TV. I'm choosing not to do that. You know what I'm going to do? I choose to cuddle with him Mm because this is cuddle time and he needs that and I need that. It's just normal mommy time. So I chose me. I chose the things that I wanted to be a part of. And there's such power in that, right? And now today, fast forward a number of years, I'll ask myself, what kind of mom do I want to be today? Mm -hmm. Who do I want to be as mom today? 
I remind myself that my children are making memories. They're capable of permanent memories. And what do I want them to remember about me when they're, you know, in their 60s and they're talking to their friends or their spouse or their children or whoever's in their lives about me? What do I want them to talk about? What do I want them to say? What do I want them to remember? Do I want them to remember that mom was so stressed out and so upset and so, you know, worried all the time? Or do I want them to remember singing songs out loud in our car, which, by the way, we do every day. We just love it. <laughs> um, do I want them to remember, you know, the silly cat videos that we watched where we just laughed and sometimes we watch them multiple times? Do mm-hmm. I want them to remember the trips that we took and the world that we saw and that I was in it with them? Do I want them to remember that on a bad day at school, I came and got them? What do I want them to remember? And then I really do think about that on the daily. What do I want them to remember? What do I want them to to feel? What kind of mom do I want to be right now? Yeah. And the truth is like you, I choose them. I, I actually did choose them. They're adopted. I chose them. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I choose this life. I Mm -hmm. choose to be an advocate. I choose to be a loving mother. Most of the time, let's be real. I'm not always perfect. Right. (laughs) There are times where I'm like, oh, dear God, people, you are making me mental. I need (laughs) you to just stop. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think it's just to add to that, Michelle, is that not not only who do I want to be as a mother in the sense that what will they remember, but who do I want to be as a mom? And can I let that be enough? Like, right. To let it be enough that I am who I am right now and that I am growing and that I am learning and that I am going to be an example to my children of what is possible. That's why I feel like keeping your own dreams and your own goals and going out there and showing your kids, this is what it could be. Not that you need to do what I'm doing, but you don't need to let, especially for our special needs kids, your limitations do not define you. They're a part of your life experience, but look, Mom can still go out and she can still do things that make our whole life vibrant. And that's the other thing is like what you do as a mom for yourself will impact your children, whether it's neglecting yourself or taking care of yourself. You take care of your children when you take care of you. And when you you educate and parent your children, when you live a full life Mm -hmm. full of the things, whether that's I'm going for a walk or I'm picking up Silk, right? This is something I'm just starting to do, like the silk dancing where you, it's a way I can still dance and exercise, but I'm picking that up and I'm Mm -hmm. involving my kids and just letting them. Is that the acrobatic silks? It is. Yeah. I've got them hung up in my garage, you know, and you kind of roll yourself up. And anyway, it is so fun, but it just to, to teach through demonstration and not through words only, because we don't want to sit, in my opinion, in the back seat of our lives and expect our children to go out and drive in the front seat of theirs. Like we need to drive in our own lives and be empowered Ooh, enough to be. That's like, a powerful statement. <laughs> we can't expect to sit in the back seat of our own lives and have our children be able to sit in the front seat and drive theirs. Wow, that's powerful. They need to know what it looks like and be empowered. Yep. Regardless of their ability level. Yep. I agree. And I think 
I love what you said about learning new things. Um, we have had a similar experience. We made a decision about a big goal that we have for our son, and it required some learning to figure out how to yes. do it. And, you know, when we started learning, I remember my husband saying at some point, you know, I wish we had known this in our 20s, but life would be so different. I'm like, yeah, except here's what's happening now. We're not just learning it, but our youngest son is learning it too. And so yes. this is the gift we're giving him. We're learning this all together. We all have questions and we all, sometimes I'll have the answer. Sometimes my younger son has the answer because he has far more free time than I do. And he goes and researches things. Right. So, so helpful. Right. <laughs> and so we're learning this together and we're traveling this path together. And so because we're learning it, everything in his world is different now and better. And the life that he is setting himself up for is so much better because we decided to be brave and go learn this stuff as adults because it's way outside of the realm of what we knew in our comfort zones. And I love that. So the power to choose who you want to be, the, to choose to opt into your own life, I love what you said about choosing to be enough as you are right now with where you are right now. That's a choice. Mm -hmm. It's so powerful. And then you also mentioned that you're going to have to create a unique village around your family. That is powerful too. Mm -hmm. When you choose to create your village, it doesn't have to be what it was for me as a new mom in these mommy groups, feeling so alone and isolated because my experience was so different mm -hmm. and feeling like I go to these things, they go to get support and help. I walk away feeling worse. It's not the right place for me. And now I have, I call us dragon slayer mamas. Yeah. Every day <laughs> I have my group of dragon slayer mamas. These are women who get up every day, put on their armor pick up their sword and slay the day. It has such a different meaning for me than that whole boss babe slay the day thing. Um, yes, yes. I'm not a 20 something perfect person drinking Cosmos, living this extraordinary <laughs> life. I yes. am, um, you know, I wear sensible mommy shoes and I sit in doctor's appointments and I carpool. <laughs> yeah, and I think I do there's all a power things. in that. Because this imagery of the the armor and the slaying, it more, I think, derives its power from the seat of our motherhood, yep. of our matriarchal power, and that that is beautiful and it's expansive. I think it's far more expansive than a boss babe, yeah. which has kind of a masculine connotation to it. And there's nothing wrong. We need yep. our masculinity. Absolutely. But to embrace that feminine, large, encompassing yep. Play the day powers, it, you know, comes out imagery. of this notion of you are the five people you surround yourself with. And I reminded mm -hmm. myself of that. I'm like, well, who do I want to be? I want to be strong and brave. I know I need to be. I need to be creative. I need to be not unafraid because often I am, but mm -hmm. I need to be courageous yes. to step forward and do these things. And this dragon slayer imagery for me just because obviously, you know, in the stories, the dragon is huge and the yes. slayer is small. <laughs> and so that is often what I feel like this problem is so big. And yet I still have to figure this thing out. And being surrounded by women who successfully navigate that on the daily, just I'm like, oh, I want to be them. 
I want to yes. be in that group. I want to be, I want to be, I want to have their courage. They talk about being afraid and they do it anyway. And they're out there learning and growing and stretching and they're building in time for themselves and their partners and their friends. Like going out to dinner with a friend for me is such an amazing experience. And I so enjoy it. And I tell my friends, this is not going to be a two hour quick thing because I know in your life, that's how it works. No, you're going to need to at least give me four hours because this is it. This is the only time I'm getting out. This is it, baby. I know that is that's how it goes. So like you need to just give me some extended time. So book a long sitter or whatever you need to do. Yeah. This is me filling my cup with you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when I look at it that way and I switched thinking about how I want to do things, now I have this extraordinary group of women and they're global. Not all of them are close to me geographically. Yes. Right. That we can. Sometimes it's getting zump, jumping on Zoom and, and just having some tea or coffee or beverage of choice. It depends on the time of day and circumstances, right? But we do these things so that we can stay connected, so we can support each other. It's my unique village. It's your village, right? Which is also separate from your child's village. The village yes. you build for your child isn't necessarily the village you build for you and your Correct. support system. And that's beautiful that you have that. So I love that. you for being a part of the living your legacy podcast community in 2022 we can honestly say 2023 is going to be an exciting year we've got some new things going on that we'd like to share with you the living your legacy podcast is now offering advertising spots we found many entrepreneurs spent lots of money on advertising last year only to find that they weren't falling in front of their ideal audience we'd love to help you get your message out let's discuss this Click the link in the show notes to book a time to chat and see if this could be a good fit for you. So let's talk tips now. If okay. people are listening to that and they haven't yet been inspired, and if you haven't, yeah. uh, you you probably weren't listening all that carefully because I think there was some really awesome ideas already put out there, but let's talk tips. So if somebody is listening to this and at the beginning they were putting their hand up and saying, that's me, that's my life. I just feel so lost, so trapped. What would you suggest as one or two steps they can take to move themselves in a different direction? One or two. You know, I think self-awareness is always the very first step that I recommend. And this for me is most powerful in my journaling. Mm -hmm. Just become aware of what are you telling yourself every day? I can't do that. This is overwhelming. Mm -hmm. I'll never get to. They'll never be able to. This will always be my life. These are just thoughts in your mind. Mm -hmm. They're not factual. Because there's so many times that I'm like, this is for sure the way my life will be forever. And then a year later, I'm like, oh, just kidding. Like, it's not that way. (laughs) Okay. You know, and so it's like, I I think that it's important to just be aware of what you're thinking and to question it. Like, can I know absolutely without a doubt that this is true Mm -hmm. and question it and just see what opportunities open up for you there. I would say that just be aware of what you're thinking. I think the second thing that I would highly recommend as a tip is try to find some humor in your life, to find it humorous. For example, right? my daughter is a well she was hoops mirror 
everywhere, poop everywhere. And it still is. She's still, she's seven and we're still in that potty training process. And she loves to smear the poop and clog the toilet with a whole roll of toilet paper. And to come in, there's two things I could do, right? I could be, mm -hmm. I can't believe this happened again. And there's poop everywhere and it smells. Or to come in and just find some humor in it. Mm -hmm. Like, I, okay, I, we got a professional poop smear here. Well, let's figure this out. We're getting out the gloves. We're going to, you know, and maybe you might need extra help, like music or mm -hmm. watching funny videos on TikTok. But I can tell you, laughing every day and finding some humor makes it less heavy because that's what not only do we as mothers tend to do with our situation is make it so heavy, but other people in the world do that. When they look at our community, it's so heavy all of the time. And I'm not saying it's not heavy. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is when you can incorporate humor, you open up your creativity to deal with something that is heavy, mm -hmm. you know, to, to make it lighter. So try to make it light, become aware of where you're at, and then seek for someone else that can help you if you need that. Ooh, three amazing tips. Be aware of right. what you're thinking. I love that. Because thoughts color your actions, color your emotions, color circumstances, because sometimes we make Absolutely. things worse instead of better by how we're thinking about it, which then dictates what we say, what we do, and we make the situation worse. Um, so thinking Absolutely. about your thinking. I love that. Being aware of the things you're saying to yourself. Are they positive? Are they not catching yourself and learning to shift them? So amazing. Yeah. Then secondly, finding your sense of humor. Uh, my, my family knows it's a really bad day when I've lost mine. And sometimes they'll say that, Ooh, mom, you lost your sense of humor. <laughs> I'll come back humor. later. <laughs> <laughs> Run. <laughs> yeah, so, okay. Um, good point. Right. So finding the time laughter does really amazing things for your brain, your body, look yes. up the research on it. It does amazing things for you. And it is probably the best stress reliever, the cheapest and easiest to do. Yeah, Find no, something and that's to laugh the thing. At. You don't need any money and you no. don't have to leave your house to do that. To any mm -hmm. of these. Right. You know, if you like the silly cat videos, if you want to go on TikTok and find funny reels, my kids are always looking at like these epic fail videos where people are trying yes. these stunts and there's epic fails. I don't particularly enjoy the videos. What I enjoy is my kids reactions to them. <laughs> so they watch the videos and I watch them. Yeah. Right. And they're like, oh, what I, and that's what makes me laugh. Like, oh, yeah. my, my younger son's like, I really felt that one. I'm like, yes. Oh, okay. So right. So finding some places to laugh is so important. And then I love that your last point was all around get help if you need it. Right. Find your support systems if you need those support systems. So, you know, you might need a housekeeper. Mm hmm. To come in and deep clean your place for you know mm -hmm. every now and again. Uh, you might need to hire the kid down the street to do your laundry if they really mm -hmm. like laundry. Right? Like there's stuff that you can do if you get creative about it that can actually shift up how you're doing things and give you some time. So I love all those suggestions. Those are great. If somebody is listening and at the beginning put their hand up and said, That's me, that's my life. Here are some ways to shift your own life and regain control. I love that. Those are amazing things. So let's talk a few minutes now about your podcast. Um, okay. And Mamas Have Special Needs too. Where did that title come from? Um, I think it was that moment that I was at the hospital and I was like, I need help too. 
like, and that I have special needs, meaning there's the needs that a, that a mother has that's raising a neurotypical child. And then there are the needs that a mother raising a child with special needs needs. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're different than the typical needs. And so that was kind of where that was born was like, oh, I have special needs too. I can't approach this the way everyone else is approaching it. I need to do it in a unique way. Mm-hmm. I love that. And so tell us a little bit about who's on your podcast. Is it you? Do you have guests? Um, you know, for right now, it's me. I'm on there. It's my story. It's what I've learned. It's the tools that I'm using. And then we'll be pulling on some guests here in the future. Um, but it mostly is what I have learned and what I can offer to That's other moms out there. Super cool. So where can people find this podcast? Uh, so you can find it on iTunes or um, Podbean. And I'm trying to be, I'm on all of the major ones, Google, all of that. So you should be able to just type it in and have it pop up. But iTunes is where most of my listeners find me. Fantastic. I love that. So let's talk a little bit now about where you envision yourself. So your dream, your legacy, what is the legacy you are starting to live into? Yeah, so this is exciting. It's exciting because it's a frame of mind that I never thought I would be in before Mm -hmm. because it was like, I can't do anything with my life. But um, I want to be able to empower other moms that so they they know that there's possibility for their lives and it's not a limited possibility. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to look like everybody else, but it's you're not trapped in your life. You're not mm-hmm. trapped in your skin. You're not any any of that. Mm-hmm. And so I think maybe it's just being ex- an example of what is possible out there, whether that's in business or for your children. And I think that that kind of mentality, I want it to also expand to our children mm-hmm. is, is, and that's kind of the two goals I have is kind of, it's, it's the beginning of that legacy because it's not only you're not limited as a mother, but your children are not limited either. We really don't know. And what I've learned is the doctors really don't know definitively what is or isn't possible for your child. That's right. And that really is the thing that really killed me at the beginning is when doctors would say, this is all they can do. This is all they'll ever do. I thought that's it. That's the gap. And yet it's not. Mm-hmm. And so that's what is not only can you for yourself do what you didn't think was possible, but you can be the springboard from which your children that have unique disabilities or are neurodivergent, they jump off that springboard and they will do things that they never thought was possible, whether that's healing, a career, independence, marriage, whatever it is. It's so yeah, possibility and expansion is really kind of my legacy that I want to create. So beautiful and so powerful. I love that. So I would imagine that there are people in our audience now who really want to get in touch with you to hear more about your story. The link to your podcast will be in the show notes, but what's the best way for people to find you if they're looking for you? Yeah. DM me on Instagram. Instagram at Mamas Have Special Needs 2 is where I'm at. It's super easy. Just send me a message there and we'll get connected when we can do Zoom or anything after that, but on Instagram. Fantastic. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing with us your journey, your life, a sneak peek behind the curtain um, of a special needs mom. Because uh, I think it's so important for people to have a sense of 
we look so polished and put together. We speak well. Uh, and people can think, well, this special needs parenting thing isn't hard. But honestly, the very first thing I said to Ashley when we got on Zoom is, gosh, we clean up well. Because when we met the last time, we did not look so like we, this. We so, we're all in our scrubs. And totally. Fantastic. We clean up well. Um, yeah, I usually look like this one or two days a week. Yeah. So thinking about it from that perspective, I'm th I'm so grateful that you shared your honesty and your vulnerability and the hope that things are possible if we choose to do things differently. Instead of trying to, I don't know, push the mountain, maybe we figure out a way to circle around it. Yeah. Figure out a way to climb over it. And don't do it alone. I think that's the thing too, is we try to do it alone. We try to look strong and independent. Don't do that. You don't have, you have nothing to prove to anybody. Get help. Sure. Love it. Thank you so much for being on the show with us today, Ashley. I feel very inspired today um, to go out and like, think about my thinking and do things differently and better for sure. So I hope oh that members gosh, of right. our audience feel like that too. You inspire uh, me, Michelle. That's really oh, true. You inspire me. So I'm grateful to you. be here. Thank you. See, when dragon slayer mamas get together, this is the magic that happens. It so I want to thank like you. Yeah, definitely. I feel like I just have to say this before we go. I want to thank you and your generation of mothers who have you guys raising kids with special needs without the resources that we have now. You have paved the way for so many women like us. And I'm just so grateful that you're out there doing this work because it's you mothers that are bringing up the mothers behind you. And we, we lean on your strength. So I'm grateful wow. for that. Thank you. I'm going to have to end the show because I can feel it already. Oh, <laughs> tears on the eyelashes here already. Thank you very much. That is actually probably the nicest compliment I've ever gotten. So thank you for that. So ladies and gentlemen, listening to the show, I really encourage you to take some action based on what you've heard here today. If this is resonating with you, reach out to Ashley and let her know, because I'm sure she'd love to hear from you about what changes you're making in your life to lead your own legacies. And don't forget, if you have forgotten it today, like every other day, I will remind you, you are amazing. Start living your legacy today. Have a good one, everybody. Does the thought of follow-up give you a foul taste? Do you find yourself wondering how you can ever stand out from the crowd, but need it to be easy and convenient? With a system like Send Out Cards, you can stay in touch and top of mind with only a few keystrokes. People's inboxes might be full, but their mailboxes are empty. Reach people literally where they live, work, or play, and watch the warm fuzzies go to work for you. See the show notes for a link where you can send your first card on me. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please submit a rating and review and share it with a friend. Together, we can inspire more people to start living their legacy too. And let's keep the conversation going. We would love to hear all about your journey in living your legacy and support you along the way. Join our Facebook community, Living Your Legacy Podcast, where we connect, collaborate, and celebrate each other. Can't wait to see you there.